0: It's a mess. Why are they doing this? Can I scream in your podcast?
1: No,
0: probably not.
1: <laughs> you can yeah. scream. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: Show that emotion. Bye.
2: Welcome again to Gimme Shelter, the California housing crisis podcast. I am Matt Levin, data reporter with CalMatters.
3: I'm Liam Dillon with the Los Angeles Times.
2: And today on the podcast, the topic on everyone's mind... How will federal tax reform affect California housing? Thoughts, Liam. To, to,
3: to be clear, everyone's on everyone's mind who listens to this podcast. Probably <laughs> the other people in the world think they're thinking about other things.
2: We will be breaking down the elements of the federal tax reform package that are most relevant to uh, California's housing crisis. Um, obviously, the a tax bill is not finalized as of the date of this recording, but many of the details, although still to be ironed out, we can kind of predict what they'll be. And we have Nostralium to make infallible predictions on what will actually happen.
3: Very infallible. And I, I, I appreciate the Nostralium thing that's that's new and uh, I, I like it. So thank you for another great idea, Matt. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about our guest first, though? Will your guests talk about this? Sure. Yeah.
2: Let's talk about the Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead, Liam.
3: We have uh, Mary Mertall, who is the uh, head of EAH Housing, a a nonprofit developer in Northern California, who right now has a project that could be affected by the tax reform negotiations. Um, And also she's been doing this uh, uh, low income housing development for quite some time, has a lot of experience working with. Uh, some of the elements that the that the federal government provides to allow for the building of affordable housing, and so uh, it's it's going to be a great a great discussion. Uh,
2: before that, Liam, I wanted to surprise you with a early holiday gift. Uh, we wow. Was, well, you don't even know what it is yet. Well,
3: I, I assume it's good. Why if it's are a you gift. assuming
2: it's positive?
3: Because it's a gift. Who would who like who gets through, like. Gets bad gifts. People get bad gifts, but it's usually some, some positive thought behind it, at the very least.
2: Obviously, you, know? you didn't grow up in my household. We had a very different <laughs> holiday experience. Uh, we are going to be coming up with some different art for the podcast. So right now, um, we have those. Uh, it's kind of beautiful, those little avocado toasts. I don't know what you call them, but they're different kind of incarnations of avocado toast. But it is I, beautiful. But I've heard from uh, CalMatters, various CalMatters editorial members that they are sick and tired of seeing uh, avocado toast all over our homepage um, because we produce this every other week. So uh, in-house, we are coming up with some ideas for new logos, pretty little iTunes-ready logos for the CalMatters podcast, uh, this CalMatters podcast. But I also wanted to put it out to listeners. If you have ideas for um, good new art for the podcast, send them our way. Tweet at us. uh, Send us emails. Um, I am not that creative. Liam is definitely not that creative. So if you have um, good ideas for what would be a good logo for this podcast, please send them them to us. And uh, we will be debuting the new art, whatever it is. Uh, by the end of the year. That is your Christmas gift, Liam. Thank
3: you. What a wonderful gift. I am so happy that we do this together.
2: That <laughs> <It> sounds, <laughs> sounds contrived. It does.
3: No, it wasn't contrived. I mean, I, that I was think, a really emo- emotional and heartfelt. I, you know?
2: No, it's just it's not coming through that way.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> just Whitney. know that how as ever contrived I sound, I really mean it from the bottom of, bottom of my heart Let, that you're great. You're a great partner and friend, and and who brings great gifts.
2: I don't know it's why like... it still sounds disingenuous, but it does. Uh, let let me also throw out a couple of the ideas that we have percolating at the Cal Matters Imagineering factory. Um, and let me get your reactions to these, Liam. A avocado with headphones on them. Simple, straightforward. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Ooh. And a house with headphones on them. Those <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two things I came up with. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, we are in desperate need of creative ideas.
3: How about an a avocado in the shape of a house
2: that with headphones on Yes, it. or a house built of avocados. I was thinking about that, too
3: we're just we're just feeding off each other this is you know we're just feeding off each other man this is a great brainstorm i mean we could probably go in another 20 minutes but i think we've already got a couple of really good really good winners in the hopper right now
2: <laughs> this must be what it must be like to work for like apple or something where it's just this exactly. type of creativity flowing between people speaking of avocados we have another good one this week um, something that you've written about Liam uh, yeah. why don't you go ahead and do the honors and introduce the second yeah
3: yeah, so we got our avocado of the week, uh, and it's about Sequoia.
2: The I will I'll say this: the California Environmental ah. Quality Act. Probably. Do, do, you
3: remember, do you remember when we were supposed to like have like a bell or, or something for Sequoia? We, we probably should still figure that out. You know, some sort of. Sequest sound, you know?
2: I'll I'll put it. I'll I'll come up with something in post production. When you listen to the podcast, which I know you don't, Liam, but when you li- <laughs> when you listen to the podcast, there'll be a sound in there.
3: That's great. Okay. So we're, you know, and we're continu- this is like this is just, just I could just feel the energy of these ideas between us this week. Can, so
2: can, can I say this is I would say this is the most important acronym in California housing policy. If you had to pick one acronym to understand if you're kind of a a noob, for lack of a better word, to California housing policy, CEQA will be the acronym. Today. Agree? Disagree? I
3: agree. I agree absolutely. It's the most important uh, environmental law governing development in the state, and some might—I mean—in some ways, it's the most. Uh, given that the, the volume of projects that have to undergo some sort of environmental review before they're built, I mean, it's just—it it's, it affects, touches really almost all development in 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 California, and so um, to just—I'll to start out by making this. The most wonky thing possible for why this is the avocado week, which is, which should, should explain why people don't understand CEQA and, and what it means. <laughs> but, but, and then we can explain what it actually means, right, and what, we'll do our best. So what happened within the last couple of weeks is OPR revised its guidelines under CEQA <laughs> in an effort to change LOS to VMT as a way to reduce GHGs.
2: Oh, God, that was beautiful.
3: I'm, it's, I'm like an, a sequel artist, if you will, right? <laughs> uh, so so um, for the, the two people uh, who understood that, congratulations, you were really hardcore about this. Uh, so for, but for everybody else, I'll do my best to understand why this, or to tell you why this really matters or could matter for um, particularly um, housing in cities and already developed areas. So right now, um, the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, requires developers to evaluate how their project might affect traffic. And that sounds pretty easy, uh, but it's not, because what do we mean when we say traffic? Right? What do we mean when we say traffic? That question was rhetorical, but thanks for repeating it. You're welcome. Uh, So uh, uh, what uh, this current standard under, under CEQA is, is known as what is known as level of service. And uh, what that meant is that you evaluate traffic through understanding car congestion, right? And so, again, that sounds simple and easy enough. And reasonable. Um, but, and reasonable. But when you put it into practice, it can have some sort of very perverse outcomes for what you might think an environmental law will do. So my favorite example is bike lanes. And I can talk about housing, too. But we'll start with bike lanes. because That's the easiest to understand. So say you had a road with, with two traffic lanes and you decided I'm going to be environmentally friendly, I'm going to eliminate a traffic lane and put a bike lane in, right? Under CEQA and under the current understanding of how traffic works in CEQA, that's actually a big problem,
2: that would, right? That would, that would be bad for the environment under CEQA.
3: Under, the, under CEQA, as it's currently constructed, putting in a bike lane in this manner would be, be considered bad for the environment. And the reason because if you take away a traffic lane, um, there could potentially be more traffic um, on along that stretch of road. And so if a city, and this has actually happened, right, this is not hypothetical, this has happened up um, or down the state, if if you try to do this in this way, then the city or the developer or someone to put a bike lane would have to like add a turning lane or add another lane of traffic, which can be very expensive in order to put that bike lane in and have it pass muster under the environmental law, Right. And so bike lanes have been blocked up and down the state under this interpretation and under the understanding of how CEQA, um is currently um, currently constructed.
2: So, that, so is, that is avocado-y in and of itself, but there was a recent, recent development that is even more avocado-y.
3: Yeah, so... The last, the last couple weeks, um, the uh, Governor Brown, Office of Planning and Research, which is uh, under the governor, um, which writes regulations for CEQA and a variety of other things, um, issued a revision, uh, which now changes that traffic metric. And so instead of measuring traffic by congestion, it will now measure traffic under this, this proposal um, by the amount of miles that a car would travel along the road. And so um, let's again use the bike lane example. So um, removing a lane of traffic and putting in a bike lane um, does not increase or does not increase the amount of cars that would be on the road. And in fact, um, potentially decreases the amount of cars on the road if you assume that some folks will be riding bikes instead of driving their cars. And so under this new metric, uh, the amount of miles driven along the road, um, this is good. Bike lanes are good, right? Environmentally friendly, environmentally sound, uh, and so they would now be cool without having to do things like adding another traffic lane under CEQA. That, and so this more, more aligns what we may think is something being environmentally friendly with the environmentally friendly law.
2: So, so this actually all sounds reasonable and positive, um, you know, making some of the specific provisions within CEQA better align with the goals of CEQA, which is? partly reducing greenhouse gas emissions and you know, preserving the environment. What is right. the avocado element of it? Well, uh, so <laughs> um, uh,
3: the, the law that told government regulators to do this passed in 2013. And you know the funny thing is that the law had another part to it. It was to make it easier for the Sacramento Kings to build a new basketball arena in downtown Sacramento, which uh, they've been doing now, they've been playing in the arena for a year and a half, more than an NBA season. Uh, this arena has been up, and people are dunking, and it's a lovely time. You and I went to basketball game. You have a great—it's a great time to we go to basketball it's, game. It's a basketball. We did.
2: It's a nice arena.
3: It's a nice arena. So this happened. This happened years, year, more than a year before government regulators could write on a piece of paper. This change in regulations, right? And, this, and that, this
2: is just a proposed change, correct? They're not done with it.
3: They're not done. No, they still had this. Is, this was the sort of a huge hurdle that was just passed uh, by getting out of um, the Office of Planning and Research and putting it now to the Natural Resources Agency. But this could still change. And so they're targeting sometime next year to get this all done. Um, but that, there's no guarantee given the amount of time that's elapsed already that this will actually occur.
2: Who, which groups are going to oppose these new regulations? Which specific interest so, groups will? Because this seems like something that environmental groups would support.
3: Right. So to, to my understanding, um, some of the pushback on this and part of the reason why it's taken so long is that there are you know, planning agencies, particularly the one in Southern, in Southern California, uh, Southern Calif- uh, the Southern California um, Association of Governments, that has been worried about yeah. having their long yeah, their long-range transportation plan kind of already modeled out. Um, and how this would affect particularly highway um, projects within that, you know, within that plan. And there, there was ultimately some modifications done that would um, sort of put highways in a separate category uh, from this. But basically, like they've they've done their modeling and have their projects out on and they've gotten bonds passed to fund these things. And if they have to redo their environmental analysis that could really affect it, that could be problematic.
2: Well plucked avocado, Liam. Oh, let me just,
3: let me just re- really quick very, very quickly, so why does it matter for housing right yeah. and so, um, <laughs> yeah, so that, under, would, that would be relevant <laughs> that would, that's relevant to <laughs> the housing market. so so basically, uh, imagine a sort of high density infill housing project that right now uh, w- w- would have to look at um, its effect on the roads and congestion under CEQA, right um, but under this new measure, they could get credit for say creating pedestrian paths or bike paths or sorts of things that would Um, take cars off the road, whereas under the prior or the existing current version of regulations, there's no credit for that. There's only the understanding by which this affects traffic at all. And so it may be nicer or easier to build a pedestrian path um, rather than add a a new traffic lane next to your, particularly in center city areas, right, where there's already, um, you know, already a ton of existing uh, built environment. Um, You, you know, this is a way to make it easier for these projects to get built and also to make them more uh, environmentally friendly.
2: All right. uh, Now to tax reform. Do you want to take the number of the week, Liam, or should I? It's up to you. Uh,
3: uh, Why don't you do it? What's the number of the week, Matt?
2: The number of the week is 880,000.
3: And what is that?
2: That is the loss in affordable housing units nationwide over a 10-year period that could happen um, if some of the specific provisions of the federal tax reform plan actually go into effect.
3: That's a lot. Sounds like a lot.
2: That is a lot. And I noticed in, <laughs> that is the recurring theme. Like, our back and forth around the number always ends up yeah. in you saying that's a lot afterwards. We're going to have to pick a really small number next time that is
3: something. <laughs> I bet I could say, that, that doesn't sound like too much. You know, <laughs> I could answer, I could say that instead. <laughs> So let's let's kind of break down the, the state of play real quickly on yes. the uh, on, on the housing, or on the uh, federal tax reform. And yes. so um, last week, the Senate U.S. Senate passed its version uh, of a tax plan, which differed substantially from the uh, House version that has already been passed. And as a result, um, the two houses now, as we learned in Schoolhouse Rock, are uh, getting together to have a conference to try to iron out their details. Um, And I imagine the proponents of this hope that they won't lose enough people uh, so that they can still put forward something that could be signed into law. And so, you know, as we're talking about this, we we can talk about the version that that sort of is the House version of this or the Senate version of this. But um, I think it'd be good to start if we like just even referencing why like tax reform or tax changes, particularly changes to the corporate tax rate matters to California housing at all, because th- that's not intuitive in any way, shape, or form, yes. right? That's, in fact, it's kind of weird if yes. you think about it.
2: So, but before that, just for a little more table setting here, um, part of the reason why certain specific tax breaks related to housing are on the table is because Republicans need to finance other tax cuts. And part of the reason they need yes. to finance other tax cuts is the way in which they are um, attempting to pass this measure. So let, let's pretend we're in the conference committee for a second here. Um, who do you want to be, Liam? Do you want to be Mitch McConnell? You seem like a Mitch McConnell type guy. Would you like to be Mitch McConnell?
3: You know, I just, I'm, yes, sure. Yes, I'll be Mitch McConnell. <laughs> it's going it's to elide everything else with that and just say, yes, sure, I'll be Mitch McConnell.
2: Um, okay, great. That,
3: that means you're Paul Ryan. All
2: right. Um, yeah. that works uh, works for me. Um, so w- when we're when we're here and we're huddling, okay, how are we actually gonna iron out the differences between these two bills? What we have to keep in mind is we can't let the deficit that the uh, congressional score pe- scorekeeper says uh, is going to be created by this um, by these tax cuts balloon over 1.5 trillion, right? Um, sure. That's, that's the number we have to keep in mind. So in order to do that, we have to say, okay, we are going to raise the mortgage interest or we are going to take away some of the mortgage interest deduction or we are going to take away private activity bonds or we are going to do X and Y and Z that will uh, affect various housing tax breaks because we need that revenue to finance the corporate, um, the, the corporate tax break and some other major tax breaks that are in there. That's why things like the mortgage interest deduction are on the table, right? Taking away a tax break, which is doesn't seem, you know, ideologically does not seem to be a federal Republican, you know, priority, right? That's why they're doing this. So, just wanted to put that in there for context.
3: Good job, Paul.
2: Thank you. Um, do you like my widow's peak? I I
3: do. It looks looks great, resplendent.
2: And your turtleneck looks amazing. Right? <laughs> Um, let's start, let's start with the corporate tax rate. Um, and you've written about this before, Liam, why don't, why don't you tell us what the, the tax rate reduction is proposed and why it will be specifically bad for California affordable housing?
3: Right. So Yes. So going back to why corporate corporate taxes matter to um, housing. So right now, the largest housing program, largest low income housing program uh, in the in in the in in the country um, and certainly in California is what's known as a low income housing tax credit. And so this is a way that corporations, principally banks and other financial institutions are able to uh, finance um, affordable housing projects across the country uh, in exchange for having paying lower taxes. And so, um, that, you know, the, and then, so if you think about that in those terms, the, um, the higher the tax rate is corporate tax rate is the more the incentive there is for these banks to buy, um, banks to buy uh, these tax credits to lower their, to lower their, uh, the amount that they have to pay. And just to give it a, some sort of context for the extent of this and why, uh, how sort of impactful this is. The federal low-income housing tax credit program, along with a similar state effort, has provided $32 billion in funding for housing for low-income residents in this state over the last three decades, and so That's a, a substantial, substantial, substantial amount of money. Right. And so, under the proposal to lower the tax rate uh, as it stands, and I believe this is this, this is the same this is the same for both the uh, uh, House plan and the Senate plan lower it from 35% to 20%, yes. you can see that that dramatic reduction um, would also result in potentially a, a dramatic, um, uh, dramatically less need for some of these corporations and banks to, uh, have, to buy, uh, have to buy these tax credits to lower their amount of taxes they pay. And as a result, the, the credits are worth a lot less. And if they're worth a lot less, then a lot less housing gets built.
2: For each of these, elements of the tax reform plan that impact California housing, we're going to ask the question, how bad is it and who is it bad for? Um, The corporate tax reduction, how, how bad is it in terms of its impact on financing affordable housing in California?
3: It's pretty bad.
2: So much affordable housing is dependent on the low income housing tax credit. Why? Like, it, it, it's, it seems like this is a structural flaw in how affordable housing gets created and rehabilitated, right? So much depends on, inadvertently, the corporate tax rate and banks' appetites for these specific credits. Why is that, and is there any movement to change that or fix that?
3: Well, you have to assume you're, you're a lot of assumptions baked into that, into that, into that, into that question. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm really attacking your priors here. Uh, but like, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's relying on it because that's what we've decided as a nation that we're going to do. I mean, we decided that we're going to principally fund affordable housing in this way. And that's Mm -hmm. why we're so reliant on it. And so, um, yeah, again, like, as we've said, it seems weird, but this is what we just, this is the decision that we've made. And as a result, you know, with, with, with lower and lower funds, sort of direct funding and direct subsidy, this is the way that, that we've decided this sort of, uh, you know, public private partnership sort of model, right. Is how we've decided that, that this is going to work. We could be, we could, you know, um, as, uh, advocated by a number of groups, um, uh, principally on the left, uh, eliminate the mortgage interest deduction, which provides, by the way, far more of a subsidy for for uh, for, for housing than, than the low income housing tax credit does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then use that money that we're all, again the federal government is already foregoing to um, uh, dramatically increase the uh, uh, housing subsidies, both in producing units and also directly subsidizing uh, low income folks to um, to get housing um, uh, to get housing themselves. Uh, so we just have not decided to do that. <laughs> and, and as a result, um, this is the next system that we have. And, uh, if we take this away, it's, um, or alter this in a meaningful way, um, then we're, we are altering in, in uh, how much can get built and how much help, um, uh, housing assistance that, that, that low income folks can get.
2: Banks aren't dumb. For the most part, Um, when Trump was elected, as well as the preservation of Republican majorities in the Senate and the House, um, tax reform was something that was floated as, okay. this might actually happen. This might be coming down the pike. Um, So what have banks done already? Right
3: after the uh, election, um, I spoke with a number of um, affordable housing developers in California, who were talking about uh, how just the idea of tax reform or tax changes was already affecting their projects. And so you know, there's one case in particular that comes to mind. This was a project in San Jose uh, to build housing for 135 formerly uh, homeless residents who had their sort of financing all lined up. And then the, um, the person or the entity that was buying their uh, tax credits for their project said, ah, I don't think these things are worth as much anymore. And that's because we expect a lower corporate tax rate, and so we'll only pay you two and a half million dollar less than we were paying you before. And sorry, you know. Um, And they had the developer had to eat it, and so you know the city of San Jose stepped up and closed that two and a half million dollar gap. But you know that's two and a half million dollars that San Jose, um, you know, couldn't spend on another a different project, right? Yep. By having to fill this gap in, this, in, this, in a project that was already there. And yep. so just the idea, just the promise of this tax reform has already dramatically affected the the, the, the tax credit market.
2: Um, let's now switch over to another element of the low-income housing tax credit that could possibly be in danger. Private activity bonds, which I still believe will survive conference committee. Um, Liam, do you want to? Yeah. So this was.
3: That? So this was. This is eliminated in the House version of the bill and preserved in the in the Senate version of the bill. Yep. Um And uh, while among the most boring names in the history, I mean, bonds are just boring, right? But like private activity bonds is like adding a new level of boring uh, to to this name. Um, and the acronym PAB is a little bit more fun to say. Still boring, right? But but but. Um, if we thought that changing the corporate tax rate was bad for uh, this is like really really this really, is really bad. Re- yeah it's just like exceptionally bad because as we noted in our number, um, eight hundred and eighty thousand units over the next decade nationwide could be lost by this chain. so what um, private productivity bonds are is it 's essentially um, a way by which local governments or governments can issue bonds on behalf of the uh, developer who's, who's, who's working to build the housing. And why that's important or why a government would do that is you get tax-exempt financing, which means lower rates on the bonds, um, and that obviously makes it easier for everybody involved to finance.
2: Mm-hmm. They're not only used for um, low-income housing tax credit financing. They are also used for infrastructure development, for hospitals, Um, If Trump is going to do something with a a big infrastructure plan, it's going to be difficult to do without private activity bonds. It is not just the uh, housing component to this, which still has bipartisan support, um, that is a reason to preserve it.
3: We'll see. I mean, you know, you you being Paul, you're the guy who doesn't like it. And me being Mitch, I'm like, these are cool.
2: Yeah, I so, feel, I yeah. feel like I'm more of the guy who just doesn't care about it as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to not liking it, Um So
3: that but that's a good transition now. We can talk about market rate housing and let's talk about the mortgage mortgage interest deduction.
2: Let's do it. So uh why don't you describe the difference between the House and the Senate bills when it comes to the mortgage interest deduction?
3: So the Senate Senate's because it doesn't touch it. Um so done. Uh so that and,
1: <laughs> and, and
3: and so what the House bill, though, the House bill uh, does is it, it makes a big change to it. As we discussed in the podcast before, this is a bit of a third rail issue, right? Um, yes. You know, changing the mortgage interest deduction is, is sort of seen as sacrosanct um, to uh, housing policy in general in the United States. And so this is a way that the people can reduce their, uh, how, uh, you know, their tax, um, uh, their tax the federal tax bill by how much uh, mortgage interest they pay every year. Right. And so. Um, under the House version of the legislation, it reduces the amount uh, you can uh, that, that qualified for this deduction from a million dollars um, to five hundred thousand dollars and also eliminates it for uh, second homes, which is something that we tried to do in California, or there was a proposal to do so in California uh, this past year, and that went nowhere
2: uh, also I, I think it 's actually in the Senate bill, not the House bill, although I could be wrong about that in in one of the bills they take away the the ability to deduct interest off of um, home equity lines of credit, right? Which, yeah, you know, certainly prior to the financial crisis was a huge source of consumption financing for California and still is mm-hmm. in some, you know, in some sense today for a lot of people. How bad is this? Is it bad? And who is it the worst for?
0: Well, I,
3: it's bad. I mean, in general, it's bad it, it bad in the sense that it cre- certainly creates a change in California, right? Um, particularly since, you know, lowering so it, changes, it to $500,000. Change
2: is yeah. bad, Liam?
3: Change is bad? Well, but change in, in a sense that you're dislocating uh, this sort of thing that we've been doing a long time. Um, we, under, we understand from our earlier conversation about CEQA how hard that is, right? Uh, so, or how, many, how fraught with difficulties that can be. Um, so, you know, in California, it's a big change because our median home value is over five hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. right? Whereas in other states, it wouldn't really doesn't really matter where you have these low cost states. So it's a big change here, and and to be clear, it's only going forward. So those who are already on mortgages, they would be grandfathered in.
2: Crucial point. Um, crucial point.
3: Crucial point. Yes. So uh I mean it's bad for it's bad for those who would love to take this deduction when they buy a new house, right? Yeah. And how bad is it? Uh pretty bad for them, you know. <laughs> um uh but it's interesting because the the National Association of Realtors, which is among the interest groups, powerful interest groups that are the most in favor of the mortgage interest deduction. They've estimated that uh this cut and other cuts in real estate focused um, uh, sort of tax deductions could cause home prices to drop uh, between eight and 12% with a home, uh, with a, for a typical homeowner, that means we're talking like $38,000 to $50, $57,000 loss in home value, mm-hmm. right? And so on the one hand, um, that would be good, right? Because lower home values lower home costs and maybe the house that could be more affordable. Right. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand that, that seems good. That seems good. Um, but good,
2: good, um, good for people who want to buy a new house.
3: Not good for people who already own the house. Exactly. Right. Exactly. The opposite of good. So bad for them. Um, <laughs> and, and, but beyond just that, there are some effects that, um, that aren't just simple as, you know, home price, home values up good for homeowners, bad for non-homeowners, home values down the opposite. Yes. It, it creates a whole new incentive structure, right? So the realtors have pointed out, oh, okay, yeah, fine. Like certainly, um, uh, out of control costs are bad, but if you, if people's home values go down on their own mortgages, Then this might make it less likely for them to sell their houses, and if that's the case, that could freeze up freeze the market, which makes it more more harder for people to buy houses, and so harder than it already is now. And so, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. And so, you can understand why those sort of uh, kind of downstream effects of this could be bad for everybody in uh, in 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 the California housing market.
2: Let's let's quickly talk about the state and local property tax deduction.
3: Sure. So you can, you know, uh, under the current rules, you can uh, use the amount of taxes you pay um, to uh, to state and local governments to reduce your federal tax uh, burden uh, under the idea, I suppose that you shouldn't be taxed for income. Well, you shouldn't be taxed for income that you're already, that you're not ever seeing because you're paying it in taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, under the, the both plans, there are versions of, of, of ways to uh, that would eliminate this. And so in high tax states like California, um, you would be uh, paying more taxes. And um, under a version of this that was negotiated by Senator Susan Collins uh, of Maine, you would still be able to deduct up to $10,000 of your property taxes um, under, uh, 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 as part of this. But again, given that um, California has low property taxes compared to its income taxes, right? Because of Prop 13 and, and, uh, and a high income tax, uh, this is less relevant for people here than it would be. In other states
2: one thing to watch is how california house gop members end up voting on um whatever comes out of conference committee um because i think they'll be paying special attention to what happens with the mortgage interest deduction um there was i want to give a shout out to um you guys uh John, is it Schleiss? I've actually spoken with him. I should know his last name. He's one of your data guys, Schleiss?
3: Oh, yeah, he's great. Schleiss, I believe.
2: Schleiss. Um, he put out a uh, a series of maps looking at um, the percentage of new mortgages that are over $500,000 in the congressional districts where there are um, House Republicans uh, who are kind of teeter-tottering on the tax package and in districts like uh, Dana Rohrabacher's um, and in Orange County, in Orange County. So basically, yeah. like it, it really highlights the incentives, the, the voting incentive differences between your coastal Republicans and your um, Central Valley Republicans. Because the
3: right. The, right. The
2: coastal California Republicans, you know, upwards of 40 percent and in some cases over 50 percent of these new mortgages are over five hundred thousand dollars. They're going to hear from their constituents, right?
3: And, uh, and these seats are super at risk uh, yes. for flipping sterilizes. because they, yeah, districts that went for Hillary Clinton uh, in last year's presidential election that are now represented by um, Republican, Republican congressmen or congress, uh, congresspeople. And so as a result, um, it's a pretty dicey situation. And in fact, ISA uh, uh, voted against the plan and the tax plan in the House for sort of for these very reasons.
2: Yeah, so did Rohrabacher. Yes. Alright. Uh now let's talk about let's kinda of do a, a catch all for some of the other elements in this tax reform package that could either directly or indirectly affect um California housing. And let's start with um artists. Let's start there.
3: Yeah, so these are you know, I think some people some people um were glued to their T V sets, C span, uh Twitter uh, late night um, last week, watching the Senate pass its version of the of its uh, uh, tax bill. And so there's a provision in there inserted by um, Senator from Kansas, uh, Pat Roberts, who uh, right now there's a there's a provision in um, in uh, the low income housing tax credit that gives preference for artist housing. And uh, Pat Roberts didn't like that, did not like that. And so he put in an amendment that strips that out and exchange, um, exchange provides a provision or adds a provision that, that gives preference for veterans. Right. Um, and so, um, that, why that's particularly interesting is that, um, for California is, is, is we, um, you know, we're just past the one year anniversary of the, the tragic, uh, Ghost Ship Fire in Oakland, uh, where 36 people died uh, in, 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 in a warehouse um, uh, during a concert, uh, a place that was sort of live-work space for artists in Oakland. And it kicked off a huge debate over artist housing, uh, particularly in high-cost areas and, and in Oakland, uh, where there's been this long tradition of being uh, friendlier to artists and are these artists living in, in unsafe spaces? And, um, are we going to provide some affordable housing for them, for the sort of the cultural value that they provide to a community? Um, and so, uh, you know, certainly, um, uh, you can make a very strong case for giving veterans a preference, um, in, in these, uh, in these kinds of projects too. Um, but, um, that is a statement of values, uh, for, for who we're going to give potentially uh, extra benefits to and that could be a major change in how this how this program works
2: and i'll i will shamelessly plug this for you liam liam wrote a a great piece um tracking the housing travails of one of the survivors of the ghost ship fire it went up last weekend i recommend you reading it it shows how bay area housing costs are specifically affecting one life and i think it's eminently relatable um So please, you know, read that if you haven't already. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Uh, Let's Let's
3: talk to, uh, yeah, let's talk to Mary Murtaugh.
2: Who is actually directly impacted, uh, more so than us. That's right. All right. here with Mary Mertal,
3: who is the president and CEO of EAH Housing, which is a nonprofit uh, housing developer in, based in Northern California, but they also do some work in Hawaii and all parts of, of California as well. Um, and we're going to talk about the GOP tax plan. So Mary, thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. So can we start maybe um, our understanding that you have a particular project that might be uh affected by by the tax
3: discussion, can you tell us about that project and uh and and what might happen to it?
0: Yes, I can um and it depends on which version of the bill gets adopted, what the consequences would be, but this is called the Point on Vermont, and it's at on um, south Vermont avenue at seventy sixth street a fifty unit development that's entitled and um partly funded. We're in the process of just putting the final pieces of the funding package together with the construction expected to start next June. And so what city is it in? Um, Sorry. Oh, yeah. in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. In Los Angeles. Okay. In LA. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So um, it's not a huge... So that's around downtown, right? Uh, yeah, south central.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. okay.
0: Yeah, south central. So um, it's not huge, but half of it will be for people who are experiencing homelessness. So all of these impacts will ripple throughout the whole portfolio in Los Angeles, which incidentally the city and the county and the health department are really effectively addressing homelessness through housing development. I've never seen a a collection of governmental entities that are working so effectively on this issue. It's really fabulous what they're doing. Um, But we could, depending if the House version of the package is, is adopted in its current form, Uh, we would lose tax exempt bonds and we'd lose over eight million dollars in equity for the project, which is basically eliminated. This would just blow this project up completely. Um, Wow. you know, it it would just be a dead halt. If If the Senate package prevails, it reduces the corporate tax rate and I can talk about that a little bit more, but basically it would add or would reduce our total funding by over a million with no obvious source to fill the gap. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Senate dropping – well, again, on the Senate package, continuing on that, it's also because of this uh, prohibition against foreign banks, um, it would eliminate an entire pool of the corporate investors for tax credits, which will again lower – it's going to lower the value of the equity more. I don't have a calculation about that. And it would lengthen the uh, depreciation period as well somewhat, and that also is going to lower the value of the equity. So it would be more than a million-dollar hit, even in the uh-huh. milder version of this change.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: uh-huh. But uh, at least the Senate doesn't eliminate tax-exempt bonds, which are an essential piece of this side of the tax credit program.
1: i, you're referring I, to I just give you a measure. just yeah. to give
0: you a measure of how important it is We've done a um, billion dollars worth of housing over the last 10 years. Seventy-seven percent of that was done with this type of tax credit using the tax-exempt bond program. Wow. Nationally, it's, it's about 50 percent of the total housing done with tax credits is done with the tax-exempt bonds. So it would be a huge hit on the national productivity of, you know, what we can get done. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's really, you know, the full impact is in California – would be about 262,000 homes and 300,000 jobs that wouldn't happen. So w- w- one thing that's interesting, I don't think people
3: generally understand how many sources of revenue it takes to put together an affordable housing project or a low-income housing project. Can you explain for this particular project where all the where all the money's coming from to do this? It's
0: very, very common for affordable developers to have to layer seven or eight sources of funding together to get projects built. And it uh-huh. makes it slow and cumbersome, and and it's basically a whole lot harder to get this done. So having the bond measure in Los Angeles is a huge help. Uh uh-huh. uh-huh. it, it,
1: Mary, it, it does seem like that there's going to be a reduction in the corporate tax credit, one way or the no- one way or another. Um, projecting forward, when you look at like other projects you guys have in the pipeline, how are you kind of adjusting um, for that new reality?
0: Well, we are busy trying to close projects that are uh, not yet under construction, but we're about to be. We're trying to close them on an accelerated schedule and pull down all of the bond money ahead of time instead of pulling it down incrementally as you build the building. So that means paying additional interest. And I just did the numbers last night. So just for a group of projects, not in, even including Vermont, uh, it was over a million dollars before I started counting Vermont. Um, so, lots of money. Um,
1: so, in in other words, even though this tax reform plan hasn't even passed yet, it's already made it, it – it's already cost you guys more than a million dollars.
0: Uh, yeah, what's costing us that now, when it was first started to be discussed immediately after the election in 2016 – the rate dropped in anticipation of a, of a, a much
1: mm-hmm. uh, less
0: severe decline in the rate. People were assuming it would draw no tax rate. That's above my pay grade to explain. But I <laughs> can tell you that last year alone, it cost us $7 million in capital for
1: projects. Oh, simply because... So this is
0: an additional fit- million on top yeah. of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, because hey, of the drop
0: in the value of the credits, which will now drop further.
3: I see. So the market changed after the election, and now because mm-hmm. of the anticipation of the, of the of the corporate tax rate reduction, and now that the reduction is actually coming, it looks like it's, it it may well happen. That's leading to an additional um, reduction
1: in their value. Right, yeah. right. Wow. Uh-huh. So it, yeah. So it, so, it, so it's, so it's really painful. been around eight million.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. It's very painful. So just to give you an example of how bad the housing crisis is Northern California. I know the, the homeless crisis is worse in, in Los Angeles, but in the Bay Area, we, we rented up a project two years ago in Oakland for 100 units. We had 5,000 applicants. Wow. I mean, people are wow. desperate. It, I've never, in 30 years of working in this job, I've never seen the homeless crisis like it is now. Every freeway, every median strip is it tents. It's just unbelievable how it's 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 just a horrible diaspora for People are being evicted and displaced, and I mean you know let's say you're paying rent in your unit you're you know you're scraping by to make the rent, but you don't have enough for a first and the last, and the landlord swoops in and you know raises your rent um and you end up having to move. often people don't have another place to go, so they end up homeless or they end up moving far away and then have no way to get to their jobs it's It's really devastating.
1: Mary, is is affordable housing development generally too dependent on the low-income housing tax credit?
0: Well, it's very dependent on that because that's been the most effective program in the history of the United States in terms of creating housing, and it's been a great program. I I don't know why, um, you know, some of this may be accidental damage, but it's hard to uh, ascribe accident to a lot of this tax bill, just seems purposefully damaging. Um, but, uh, you know, the one of the beauties of using corporate investment is it's an extremely efficient program, and a lot of the oversight is done by the corporation. So the government does do oversight of everything we do. We're highly regulated and highly inspected, and all of our costs are confirmed course of the year on the incomes of people who live are verified. You know, we don't take your word for it, Matt. If you want to move in, you'd have to give... Me, the address of your banker, and I'd write to your banker, and I'd write to your employer, and they would verify directly to me what you're earning and what you have in the bank. And oh, no. you know, by, the time we get, by the time we get done, <laughs> we're going to know what kind of sneakers you wear and all the rest. I mean, yeah. amazingly, and very invasive and highly regulated. <laughs> and we have um, <laughs> investors coming out and going through the files on site to make sure that they're complete and up, you know, according to Hoyle. So they spend a lot of time and money. We have room, room full of auditors, you know, huddling all the time that are sent by the investors. I mean, we manage uh, 9,000 units in about 100 properties and we go through 100 audits a year. So this is no lightweight, no lightweight operation. It's highly, so I mean, the, the way that the, there's consequently very little loss of funding in the program. And it's very well-established and well-accepted. So, yes, we're very dependent on it, but on the other hand, it's damn good.
3: So we've heard when we've talked to state officials and state lawmakers um, uh, about this, uh, some concern that uh, if this the tax plan were to were to pass in, in either form, it would uh, also sort of affect uh, the downstream money that the state um, had just approved uh, or voters may approve next year um, through, this, through the housing package that passed the, the, the legislature. This is the... Affordable housing bond uh, on the ballot next year, and the seventy-five dollar uh, real estate transaction fee that passed uh, the, the, the legislature. Can you speak to that? Do, do you think do, do you think that they're right that the effects of that uh, of that new state money may be blunted by um, sort of declining uh, federal investment?
0: Well, if we are c- to continue to try to build housing, which we certainly need to do. Then what will happen is because the federal credits will not go as far, the other funds will get drawn down faster, and will be used as a higher percentage in each unit that's built. Um, beyond right. that, the actual mechanism of how that those sources might be affected, I don't know. But um, well, there's there's been bonds passed in Los Angeles and several counties in Northern California. And they were all expected to build a certain number of units, and what's going to happen is they're going to end up building a third less.
3: Because the federal money is not going well, to match it. Yeah, right. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. It, right. It could be. It could be worse than that, depending on which version of the package passes. So, it's a mess. <laughs> Why are they doing this? Can I scream on your podcast? Yeah, probably not <laughs> You but can yeah. scream Go ahead yeah, Show that emotion They can scream nuts God I mean, you know Just when the <laughs> local sources Start to come in From the state And the counties The federal government Whips out the rug It seems It's just They think Poor people Are, are Have a character flaw They think people uh. Don't have jobs People in our buildings My God The parking lots Are empty All day Because they're all at Working out one Or two jobs Even at a discounted rent you know our senior programs don't have deep enough discounts anymore because HUDs programs have been wiped out, and thank God they haven't wiped out HUD yet, but they'll probably try to do that mm-hmm. ten minutes from now. Um, so maybe we should erase that comment because it'll just give them the idea but um, <laughs> you know I mean literally we have to we have to have hosting food banks in all of our senior buildings because they can't afford food, even with discounted rents.
1: Wow. Wow. it's
0: just unbelievable how bad it is. I I can't believe that a nation this wealthy treats people so badly.
1: Uh Liam, do you think Ben Carson listens to the podcast? Uh he should if he doesn't. So uh well, everyone well, should, and especially the head of the head of HUD, you know. <laughs>
0: really we need HUD. We really do.
1: Um I, I feel like we we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you because you're actually an affordable housing developer in California. Um what what do you think of the state housing package um that passed earlier this year and a lot of which is going to go into effect next year? How is it going to change kind of your day-to-day operation?
0: Well, first off, it's a, it's a huge first step towards finally Getting housing moved up to the layer of priorities to where it needs to be, because if you look at the just the impacts, people think it only impacts people who are lower income. It doesn't. It's affecting all of us. I mean, here I am riding on Bart today because I knew it would take 45 minutes longer for me to get to San Jose if I drove. And yeah. uh, it's uh, you know I mean the, the roads are impacted, the traffic is impacted, people are commuting hours and hours and hours every day to get to their jobs. And surveys of employers are showing that employers are having a very hard time attracting and retaining employees. We're an employer. We're seeing the same thing because people have to drive so darn long to get to, work, to their job that they can't afford to live anywhere near it. So getting a package out of the, of the state legislature and having the governor sign it was big and really um, terrific that they made that much progress. However, there's a lot more that needs to be done. It really was just a start of um, digging into this problem. And we're um, very hopeful to be able to use some of the funding that's been approved, but there needs to be a lot more. It's a thin um, amount of funds available for a very deep problem that we've been building for 30
1: years. It, it has, is there any element to it that has conc- concretely changed your business?
0: Um, well, we were hoping that SB 35 would concretely change our business, but it turns out to be very narrowly drawn so that um, areas that have been resistant or um, just refusing to allow any affordable housing to be built, Uh we were hoping to be able to use that to um, get state approval of something that a locality would not approve. But as Mm -hmm. it turns out, it's so narrowly drawn that it's going to be effective only for a very narrow number of sites.
1: And, um, but Mm -hmm. you know,
0: there's, if you try to build in some, you know, many communities around, uh, the state, you can just get sued until you just want it. But basically, it's a, a strategy to make you go away because you can't afford to fight the lawsuit, either the time or the dollars. And, and so, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been used very effectively. So um, SB 35 was an, uh, a noble attempt to try to make CEQA be used for, um I mean, the California Co- Environmental Quality Act is misused often to block projects, right. um, you know, and it, it, it really, it should be divine designed to keep us from building refineries in a duck pond, but not to block housing that's being <laughs> built, <laughs> you know, in infill sites. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: So uh-huh. It,
0: it's really abused. And that was, Considered one way to help solve that problem, but um, perhaps we can get something stronger through, um, especially with the next governor. So I'm curious. What, what do you think is going to happen? Do, what do you think? Do you think the House version is going to pass? Something closer to that? The Senate version is uh, going to pass? What, I don't what know. Is, what, what's I'm one your, of those, I'm one those people that, on this? I'm one of those people that's thinking of calling the Prime Minister of, of Great Britain to say, "Take us back. We'll pay the tea tax. We don't care." <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I, it's, it's, I, I think the whole thing is such a train wreck. It's unbelievable. I, I think hopefully the Senate bill will prevail, but, you know, I have no idea what the politics are back there. They're just trying to please their, their donors so they all get reelected so they can keep on making our lives hell for the, another four years. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously. I, you know Tell us how you, really feel, Tell
1: us how you it really feel, Mary.
0: I've noticed that. Don't hold me back. It's punitive. It's purely punitive. It's really appalling. Uh,
1: Matt, do you got anything else? <laughs> No, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, uh, I don't think, you know, the RNC is going to be uh, using any clips of this podcast for their re-election bid any, <laughs> anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm I'm out of question. Thank you very much, Mary.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for letting me ventilate. It makes me feel better.
1: We really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, Mary. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.